Mr. Y, you first. Would you hand me that envelope and let's find out the song you wrote? I think I'll sing your song. I already know what it is. Don't stare at me while I'm singing, would you please? Magic moments, memories we've been sharing. You know that one, right? Of course, another fine songwriter, Bert Bacharach. Bert, nice to see you. Rest in peace to an American icon, Bert Bacharach. Hi, I'm podcast host, professional scientist, and all-around raconteur Chico Alexander. And I'm here to fill in some gaps from the last episode of It Was a Thing on TV, which I was not available for because I was on vacation. Ladies... You can pick up a man at a grocery store, but don't ask the checker when all the singles shop unless you want to be looked at as the weird lady who asks when all the singles shop. And don't ask at the Trader Joe's unless you want to meet a guy who asks you, Excuse me, have you tried the two-buck chuck? If someone asks where the post office is, point him to your phone, because no one uses the post office anymore. But please save the post office. If someone asks you what your stocks are, point them to your phone, because nobody uses the newspaper anymore. But please, God, save newspapers. If you have to go to the financial district to look for a man, you're not looking for a man. You're looking for a sugar daddy. Also, don't mess with another person's tie unless you're a trained haberdasher or Steve Harvey. And finally... At the airport asking strangers to watch your stuff, that one was written, obviously, before TSA, the age of, if you see something, say something. But most importantly, if I may quote RuPaul, if you don't love yourself, how in the hell are you going to love somebody else? And also, if Ben Minot is listening, we're sorry. We're very, very sorry. You warned us not to watch this. And we didn't listen. We're sorry, Ben! <laughs> uh, what's this about the post office dying? I'm just saying because, A, there's a little sign called eBay, but also, B, admittedly, it's like the first time I went to the post office in, like, a year, but I actually mailed something this week. Well, good for you! No, whatever you're going to say. Yeah, that's what I was going to say, actually. Do it, then. Do it, do it, do it. Good for you! Anyway, thanks for listening to my notes. And now, here's the theme music. This is It Was a Thing on TV. Punisher! Control! Tell me before I change my mind! I give you Super Train! Oh, Episode 349, submission number 915, Finder of Lost Loves. Finder of Lost Loves aired on ABC from September 22nd, 1984 to April 13th, 1985 for 23 episodes. Sing it, Dion Warwick.
We should note that theme song was written by the legendary, the one and only, and the recently deceased, as you heard at the top of the show, Burt Bacharach. And truly, guys, is there not a better combination musically than Burt Bacharach and Dionne Warwick? I can't think of one now. Oh, my gosh. All the hits they had. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh man. I'll tell you what. The 1960s Casino Royale movie, that Burt Bacharach soundtrack totally makes the movie. And, of course, we can't forget about songs like Raindrops Keep Falling on My Head. That makes Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Just saying. Oh, and it makes Spider-Man 2, Chico, because remember that one scene with Peter? Uh, yes, I do. When he gave up the suit. Yeah, and that one freeze frame with Dr. Connors that we literally thought her freaking TV was working. And to this day, I'm like, what the hell was the point of that? What the hell was with that freeze frame, Sam Raimi? Can you explain that to us? He's not going to explain it to us. Is it going to be like a David Lynch thing where he never bothers to explain it to us? It's going to be like one of those things, yes. That'll be the spoiler ahead of context. The freeze frame of Toby and Spider-Man 2. And before the nothing's worrying, worrying me. me. But back to the topic of this particular episode, which begins actually in 1960 with a man by the name of Lloyd Shulman, who went into business to find and reunite people who were long separated by time, distance, and circumstance. In order to proper tell you the story of Finder of Lost Loves, I have to tell you this man's story. Now, obviously, Lloyd Shulman, not with us anymore. He died in 2011. But according to the Los Angeles Times, who came out with a story in 1985, he claims to have located from 40,000 to 50,000 people since he decided to make it his investigative specialty in 1960. So 1960, 1985, that's 25 years. Gail Parents of Aaron Spelling Productions contacted Shulman about maybe making a series based on his life. They said, and this is Shulman saying, they said they thought I'd make a good subject for a television show. I said, let's do it. And they did. And he went into the production as a technical consultant. But the stories involve complete fiction. Lloyd Shulman would take on the personage of an attorney-turned-private investigator named Carrie Maxwell. And the story of Carrie Maxwell is this. Seven years before the beginning of the series, his wife Katie died. It's never revealed how she died, only that she died. And he uses that as a springboard to launch his very own detective agency, Maxwell Limited, where, with the help of his sister-in-law, Daisy, his manager, Rita, and some guy, 
we'll explain that in a bit. He is in the business of finding and reuniting people who are separated by time, distance, and circumstance. And this show had a lot of star power, both in the main cast and in the guest cast, because if it's a show from the 70s and 80s being produced by Aaron Spelling, you know what you're getting into. It's a permaplot involving a rotating battery of guest stars, some which are bigger than the cast themselves, playing up different storylines. See Love Boat, comma, The. But before we get to all of the guest stars, let's talk about the main cast. The titular finder of Lost Loves is played by Tony Franciosa, star of stage, screen, and television. He would have been coming off of such roles as A Hatful of Rain, A Face in the Crowd, and Tenebrae, as well as a single Golden Globe win. But he really made his name on television as one of three main characters in the TV adaptation of the movie Famous the Name of the Game called The Name of the Game. Anybody know who the other two are? Well, one of them is a man by the name of Robert Stack. Oh! And the other is a man by the name of Gene Barry. I only mention this because another person who is on The Name of the Game is Susan St. James. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. I missed that. Hold on. Pat McAfee, do you want to do your impression of Susan St. James? Uh-oh! <laughs> that was a piss-poor impression. Yeah, Pat. Okay, can I try to add a little factoid in here that may be of some interest? Why, sure. Tony Franciosa's son was a contestant on Match Game in 1998. Oh. And it was actually mentioned on the show that he was Tony Franciosa's son. Playing the role of Daisy, Katie's sister, and subsequently Carrie's sister-in-law, Deborah Adair, who in press releases looked a lot like Summer Bartholomew but nevertheless is known primarily for your mama's stories. And then we have, as manager Rita Hargrove, a veritable legend of the silver screen, the first woman to play Tess Trueheart in cinema, Tess Trueheart of Dick Tracy, Anne Jeffries. Y'all know who Anne Jeffries is, right? Sort of. Yeah, like I said, legendary silver screen actress, also played Mitch Buchanan's mother on Baywatch. And there is a fourth guy in the agency. For the first half of the season, it was Brian Fletcher, who is played by Richard Cantor, who is just a that guy from that thing. But for the remainder of the series, it was Lyman Whitaker, who was this con man 
made good, played by Larry Flash Jenkins. From Ferris Bueller's Day Off, Fletch, and Body Double. But aside from those people, you have this rotation of guest stars who are doing guest shots on Aaron Spelling shows in the 80s. You know the kind. They have their own portholes on the love boat. Time out for a second. I just discovered Larry Flash Jenkins was the guy riding shotgun in Cameron's car in Ferris Bueller's Day Off? Yes. Wow! Hold on a second. Hey, Corky, what do you think Cameron's reaction is going to be when he finds out the mileage on his dad's car? You won't believe what happened. So, yeah, all of this is happening in media res. The closest we ever get to see of Katie Maxwell is a painting of her in Carrie's house. Which is a really big house if you've ever seen the pilot. He lives in this big old mansion, almost dynasty-esque. And he moves back in when he decides, you know, sometime to spend his fortune to establish the detective agency. But all of this is happening in media res. The whole pilot begins with a room full of people who are celebrating Carrie Maxwell being the finder of lost loves. Right down to the uh, shot of everybody singing for he's a jolly good fellow. They're just having a party in his honor. I mean, it's not his birthday or anything. It's just a party in his honor. And that's the way the pilot starts. It's a 90-minute pilot. And aside from that, we have a wealthy man looking to reunite with his first love and a girl looking for her fiancé who has disappeared. And that aired on Saturday night in 1984, Out of the Love Boat. So you would think, fits like a glove. Everything's good. But guys, because this was a 90-minute pilot, and because this was like a movie-quality pilot, you have to imagine that the guest-starring cast is going to be absolutely huge. I'm not even going to go over what everybody's been in. I'm just going to read the names here. Yeah, you might want to make a sandwich. We might be here for a little while. I'm already out of you. <laughs> I'm talking to the audience. They may want to make a sandwich. <laughs> okay. Guest starring in this one pilot. Melissa Sue Anderson. Michael Constantine. Steve Forrest. Hope Lang. Monty Markham. William R. Moses. Vic Tabak. And Marsha Wallace. Among others. Among others, yes. And, uh, of course, Gail Parent wrote this with the help of show Bible creators Jill Bear and Christopher Vane. And from there, we go on to episode two, Yesterday's Child. In all of its one-hour-long glory. Carrie is asked to find the American father of a Vietnamese girl 
All Carrie has to go on is an old photo. He uses his connections and eventually finds the man who denies being her father. While Carrie tries to find a way to help her, he takes her in and bonds with her. Meanwhile, a woman from St. Louis calls asking for help to locate someone. She meets with Daisy and tells her that she's about to get married, but a letter sent to her by an old boyfriend seven years ago just arrived, and in it, he professes his love for her. She wants to find him and tell him why she didn't respond. Daisy finds him, and when they meet him, they discover he's married, only not to a person. What, is he married to his job or something? Among the guest stars in this episode are Mary Crosby as Blythe Stewart, the uh, lady who gets the letter, John James, Dean Jones, Michelle Phillips, Michael Goodwin, Heather O'Rourke, and in a before-they-were-famous sort of role, playing the little Vietnamese girl, Lindsay Price, who we talked about in previous episode, Coupling. This was before she met Curtis Stone, obviously. Episode 3, Losing Touch. Carrie helps a woman in finding her missing twin sister, while Daisy helps a female attorney track down a past love, now a small-town doctor. And for this episode, IMDb actually has a clipping from the TV guide. The search for a long-lost twin ends with a bizarre twist. Guest stars Christopher Norris and Pamela Bellwood of Dynasty. Meanwhile, as the small-town doctor David Carson, we have Ben Murphy. Episode 4. White Lies. Carrie must track down a married woman's former lover to save her dying son. Daisy helps Travis Burke, a trucker, find the woman he fell in love with after hearing her voice on a CB radio. You know, with a title with White Lies, I thought it was going to be about something else. I'm not going to ask what you were thinking. White lies. I was making a joke about cocaine. That's why I didn't ask what you were thinking. Anyway, playing the role of Travis Burke, the trucker, Lee McCloskey. But hey, some more big names in this episode. Much bigger, much bigger than Lee McCloskey, with all due respect to Lee McCloskey. Playing Dennis Hodges in this episode, Dick Sargent. I don't think we've made a reference to Dick Sargent in the previous 348 episodes. I think this is a landmark occasion. Woo! I forgot, was he the second Darren or the first Darren? He was the second Darren, because Dick York was the first Darren. That's what I thought. Thank you. And one of Greg's favorites played Commander Zach Donahue on this episode. John Saxon! Oh, yes, John Saxon. Which, by the way, I'm going to get a protective case for that John Saxon Americana card. It's coming in the mail, so. Nice. Wait, it's coming in the mail? I thought you already had one. No, I don't have a case for it, though. Oh, the ca- oh, oh. I have the card. I don't have a case for it. You don't have any card shops around there? I do have a card shop around me, but it's like they don't sell, like, big, thick cases like that. What the heck? Card shop doesn't sell thick cases. 
That's a card shop that you should never go to again, my friend. You don't need that negativity in your life, my friend. No, and, and I'm not even joking, Greg. If I open up my little drawer here of all the supplies for my card collecting, I have literally four different packs of card cases of different thicknesses. And I got them all at the local card shop. Don't tell me. Oh, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not talking about plastic cases. I mean, like, a, the protective, like, magnetic case. That's what I mean. That, but seriously, you, you, your card shop doesn't carry one-touches? Like this? Okay, who's that? Even it's CJ it. Spiller. It's just the top card I have. Okay. But they don't sell this type of magnetic case? What the hell? What the hell? Seriously. That card shop must be the jankiest card shop on Long Island, if not the jankiest card shop in North America. And Chico's just being quiet. He's like, you two fight it out. I'm not getting in the middle of this because, A, I have no idea what the hell you're talking about, and B, I just don't like getting in the middle of things. Oh, and maybe I should use this card instead. Oh, Vicky. Vicky Lawrence, yes, but it's in a, a snap tight, a, a one touch. That's a good card. That's a good case. Mike, you are on top of things. Well, I, I've only had this card in this case for like 16 years. So, yeah, it, it's it, it's Vicky Lawrence before I met her. So, And yes. if Vicky Lawrence is listening, hi. Sup, I saw you in Pittsburgh two months ago. Episode 5, Echoes. Daisy is hired to reunite two Holocaust survivors. And Carrie searches for a woman who disappeared on her wedding day. And there are a whole lot of guest stars on this episode. Playing the role of one of the survivors, I'm guessing, Morris Mendakovich. Harold Gould. Ooh, Harold Gould. Yeah, he is a legend. Yeah, we've talked about him in the past. Mm-hmm. He was uh, one of the boyfriends of one of the Golden Girls. I forget who it was. Probably not uh, Blanche. I'm thinking uh, Dorothy. I think I was one of Dorothy's boyfriends at one uh, point. Yeah, well, it wasn't well, Rose, and it wasn't Sophia, I don't think. So it had to be uh, Dorothy. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to figure out on what episode it was on the Golden Girls. Well, it wasn't an episode. I think it was maybe for a season or a stretch of episodes. It definitely wasn't a single episode, I would say. Okay, he played Miles Weber. He was in 13 episodes as Miles Weber, and he returns for two episodes of The Golden Palace, which we talked about on this show. Okay, so he had a little bit of a run. But, oh yeah, there are names on this episode. Yep. Harold Gould's a big one, but uh, we, Harold... got, we got more. Yep. We and got more. I got another one. Playing the other person from the uh, concentration camp. Colleen Dewhurst played Rachel Green on that episode. Again, legendary. Robert Westfall was looking for his fiance and playing Robert Westfall was Richard Hatch. Not Survivor Richard Hatch. Battlestar Galactica Richard Hatch. Yes. And his parents were played by uh, Tony Sawyer and Byron Morrow. So just so we have the whole family together. And, and throw out another name. There's an, uh, even another name beyond there's, all the ones you've said. 
Anne Sherman, the runaway bride, as it were, is played by Donna Pesco, who, A, we would know from Saturday Night Fever and something we're going to cover later on this year, and B, played the mama... <laughs> she, play, she played Shia LaBeouf's mama on Even Stevens. Yes. Oh, come on, no. No, but, no, 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 I'm not saying no, she didn't, but you're like totally skipping the fact that she played the mother on Out of This World. That's right. Why did I forget that? Why the hell did I forget that? Yeah, why did you forget that? How you dare? Bad, Chica, bad. Yeah, how dare you forget that? How dare you disrespect Evie on Out of This World? Not Evie mentioning her Apple Garland. Yeah. Don't you kids know her from Even Steve. But real fans remember real her from ones. the real ones like us remember for her from Out of This World. Damn right we do. I forgot Out of This World. Bull crap. Okay. It had Joel last. Damn it. The voice of Daffy Duck. Well, no, hold on. And the voice of Couch Potatoes too. Let's not forget that he was the announcer on Couch Potatoes. He was also, the announcer. Let's not forget the tie that I have to Out of This World because my Little League baseball coach when I was in fourth grade what, uh, is Steve Burton, and he was the boyfriend of Evie on Out of This World. That's my personal connection. I mentioned that in episode 61. Go back. Yes. Something we also mentioned. He was in your mama's stories, but was fired because he wouldn't take the shot because he believes things. He wasn't a very smart Little League baseball coach. I should have mentioned that. <laughs> Episode 6. Goodbye, Sarah. Carrie tries to find a man's granddaughter. He finds her and learns she's a drunk. Carrie doesn't bring her to her grandfather. Instead, he takes care of her. Daisy airs her concern, but he ignores her. By the way, in case you haven't noticed by now... Daisy happens to be very, very close to Carrie. You want to talk about a lost love? She's right there. Playing Sarah, the lady who's a drunk, somebody we talked about on this show, Connie Selica. Oh yeah, we talked about her all the way back in episode 15, Flying High. Mm-hmm. And of course, and, she was on The Greatest American Hero and Hotel. Let's not forget and, that. Yeah. I believe we might be one season away from Hotel. Either so, that or it premiered the next year. Yeah, there you go. No, no. Didn't Hotel premiere in 84 or 83? Because That's right. That's right. Nathan Cook promoted it on Match Game Hollywood Squares. That's right. Okay, yeah. I, got my, I, I was like, I have my full promotions mixed up. I thought the 84 one was for 85 and the 85 one was for 84. Because I well, remember first hearing about this show, The Finder of Lost Loves, as part of a We're With You spot in 85 or 84. There I go. Yeah. Yeah, We're With You was 84, but hold on a second. It had to have been before 85, because remember, freaking uh, James Brolin was in that one-seated Pee-wee's Big Adventure as Pee-wee at the end of the movie, remember? And you know who played Dottie in that? It wasn't E.G. Daly. No. It was Morgan Fairchild. 
And you know what that gives us an excuse to play? You're gorgeous. Hey, since we just mentioned Match Game Hollywood Squares literally like 90 seconds ago. But not the biggest name on this episode. Yes, she was the big guest star, but not the biggest name on this episode. We have playing the role of Nick was Joey Tata, who would be on another Aaron Spelling production in about, oh, five or ten years. Beverly Hills 90210. And playing the role of Nelly, Esther Roll. Damn, damn, damn! And playing the grandfather, Oliver Hawthorne, Lou Ayers. The younger listeners would remember him as Mr. Moody on Saved by the Bell. Mr. Moody! This is Mr. Moody, and I'm in a bad Moody. I'm sure Zach has schemes to, like, fool him or such on Saved by the Bell. He was a boss on at the mall, so yes. Okay. He was in the Christmas episode. Oh, that's right, the Christmas episode with the homeless guy. And his oh. equally homeless daughter. Yeah, that was a very, uh, very touching Christmas episode of Saved by the Bell. Yeah. Hold on. Uh-huh. We never saw them again. And you know why? Don't say it. They probably no. effing killed themselves. But yeah, he made his mint playing Dr. Kildare, Dr. James Kildare, in a series of movies from the 30s and 40s. We also have a person playing concessionaires, Diana Bellamy, who I remember seeing her on many episodes of Superhuman Samurai Cyber Squad as the lunch lady. I just wanted to point that out. And any excuse to mention Matthew Morris on this podcast. Hell yeah! Whoa, whoa. Episode 7, Undying Love. A man who is wrongfully and illegally imprisoned seeks his wife. And Daisy finds her. But she's remarried. Uh oh. Uh oh. Uh oh. And Carrie is asked by a man to locate a girl whom he sees every day but is too shy to approach. Among the guest stars in this episode, Melanie Marin, who would go on to uh, play on 30 something, obviously. Edward Winter, who would go on to play in, well, everything. And Dick Van Patten. Not much needs to be said. He's Dick freaking Van Patten. Oh yes, Dick Van Patten. And by the way, since we brought up Dick Van Patten, that gives me the excuse to show off what I just put in the Facebook chat. Oh, nice. Fabric swatch card. What is this, another Don Russ Americana? Yes, it is. Nice. It's always Don Russ Americana when we're talking about celebrities. No, wait, is that yours, or is that something you found on, like, eBay? That's mine. I got it last September. Oh, that's cool. That was a nice poll. When did this turn into the trading card report? This is, uh, like, what, the, the second or third trading card we mentioned in this episode? Oh, look, it's Dick Van Patten Americana swatch card. Oh, it's a Vicky Lawrence autograph swatch card from the same series of Americana. Oh, you know, we need to find the uh, one touch for Greg's Americana card of John Saxon. That should be like a running gag from now on. Were they on an Americana card? 
Odds are the answer is yes. Yep. Boy, let's go to the next episode and see if there's anybody who's on an Americana card. I'm almost certain there is. Okay, there probably is. Episode 8, Old Friends. A youngster asks Daisy to find Lewis, his grandfather, who may have disappeared on purpose. And Barbara Henson, a fashion designer, clings to old dreams after being reunited with her high school idol. Let's talk about Walter Lewis first. It's played by Buddy Epson. Oh, Buddy Epson. The Buddy Epson. Talking Beverly Hillbillies, Barnaby Jones. What else has he done? I don't know. He was almost the Tin Man in The Wizard of Oz. Oh, yeah, but... He got an allergic reaction to the makeup. There you go. Right. And also, I think... Second time this episode, in the previous 348 episodes, I don't think we've mentioned Buddy Ebsen. Nope. You would think that he would be on a lot more than... Anyway. And well, hold on. Wait, wait. Hold on. Well, also, talking about you know stuff that he's been on, did we not mention Barnaby Jones? I just mentioned him! Yeah! It was Talk a Quinn me short-term. Me- I feel like Tom Hanks, Mr. Short-Term Memory. Hey! <laughs> <laughs> well, Tony Randall. Hey, you're Tony Randall. <laughs> hey, you're Tony Randall. What is this, Tony Randall? Just hand these off to people you meet. That's it. <laughs> what do you ask me for? It. Well, Tony Randall. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh boy. That, that that's one of the best skits of all time. Hey, you're hey, Tony, Tony Randall. Randall. <laughs> hey, you're Tony Randall. <laughs> I may keep that in the episode. That's too damn you might, funny you might, to keep out. You might have to. I was going to go into the guy who played his uh, grandson, but after that, no. Let's talk about. Hey, you're Tony Randall. No. Now, speaking of his grandson, Jeremy, is played by Mackenzie Aston. Of course, Sean's little brother. John's son. One of John's sons. Well, one of John's sons, yes. And I believe he would be a year or two removed from being on the Facts of Life. As Andy. Yes. Hey, another big name in this episode. Playing Barbara Henson. The fashion designer we talked about. Jan Smithers. From WKRP in Cincinnati. Oh, I was always more of a Bailey type than a uh, Jennifer type, just saying. Duh! Did you really have to admit that? Of course you were. We all were! Sorry, Jan Smithers. (laughs) Uh, One more name on this episode, playing Tom Warren, Alan Fudge, from... (laughs) Get it out of your system, Yes, Greg, Greg please. Just, I, I know what you're going to say, Greg. Just release it, please. You know what? If, if he had his own line of fudge, he could have called it Fudge's Fudge. <laughs> no, no. What I was hoping you're going to say, Greg, is the line from A Christmas Story. Oh, fudge. Oh, fudge. Oh, the, the F word. Yeah. Oh, fudge. <laughs> Fudge's Fudge. I like that better. He's in a show that we are going to cover again later this year. 
let's just say he and Patrick Duffy were really good friends. Episode 9, Portraits. A man wants to find the woman in a painting. When he meets her, he doesn't seem to make a connection with her. And a woman fears that her ex-husband has kidnapped her son and asks Carrie to find him. So, we have our couple, the uh, couple in question about the uh, kidnapped son. Oh god, this whole family is stacked. Okay, playing Ray Powell is John Beck. Who was, if I'm not mistaken, in Rollerball as Moon Pie. The original, not the 2001 version of Chris Klein. Yeah. His wife, Lynn, is played by Joyce DeWitt from Three's Company. Hey, since we're playing the new game, were they in Americana? Joyce DeWitt? Yes, she was. Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. And if you heard the Superdome commercial break, she was rocking that tap dancing for those pantyhose. Yes, she was. Playing their son, Matthew... Barrett Oliver. One year after playing Bastion in The NeverEnding Story. That's right. And you know who played his dad in The NeverEnding Story? No, I don't. Gerald McGrady. Oh. They look different than the guys who they played in the sequel. Just saying. Oh, the guy who they played in the sequel. Yeah, we'll be yep. talking about that guy in two. Provided, Ezra, don't do anything between now and June. Don't. So that's your A plot. Your B plot involves Lee Merriweather, Michael Nader, Molly Cheek, and in a pre-Prices Right role, Kyle a letter. What? Lee Merriweather? She was an Americana. Yes. Like I said, it's a new segment that's just, like, <laughs> sprouting from this episode. Were they in Americana at some point? Yes, it looks like Lee Merriweather and Joyce DeWitt were both in the second series of Americana in 2008. Okay, but, but let me hold, hold on. I got to point this out before you move on. Okay. In Batman 66, the movie, do you remember the fake alias she used to fool Bruce Wayne was? Miss Kitka. Oh, that's not obvious that freaking Catwoman is Miss Kitka. That's not like an obvious clue right there. I always thought that was the Julie Newmar Catwoman. Well, she was the Catwoman in the movie because they couldn't get Julie Newmar in the movie. Okay, Mike, move on. What's the other one? All right. And also, uh, we mentioned Molly Cheek. We just talked about her a couple of weeks ago because she played Nancy Bancroft the occasional love interest of Gary Shandling on Gary Shandling's show? Was she like a love interest or was she just more of a neighbor? She was just more of a neighbor. Oh, but you know Gary wanted to shack up with her. Does Gary Shandling and it's Gary Shandling's show look like the kind of guy who would shack up with somebody? Dude's got needs. Don't tell me he doesn't have needs. I know he got married in a very notorious uh, two-parter. Okay, so we'll say she's the neighbor, not 
the love interest. Yeah. We're, we're, we're not really, lo- yeah. Now that I think about it, it wasn't really a love interest. She was more of just the next door neighbor. But also, little thing I want to add about Kyle Oletter since you mentioned her. Yeah. You know who her mother is? Who's her mother? We just talked about her because she was in Americana too. Lee Merriweather. This explains so much. Episode the 10th. Episode the 10th. A gift. A student dancer who has been receiving financial assistance from an anonymous donor tries to find out who it is. When the man is discovered, he wants to remain anonymous. But when her boyfriend, who wants her to quit dancing so that she can be his trophy wife, claims it's him and convinces her to quit, he has to decide to come forward. And a woman wants to find a woman whom she claims is an old friend, but the woman claims she doesn't know her. She admits she's the birth mother of the woman's daughter and wants to see her because she is dying. Lots of names in this particular episode. Uh, playing the two friends, Nora Spencer and Marion Owens Norris. Elder Parker and Barbara Rush, both Hollywood legends, I should say. And then you have two other big names in this episode. Playing Stuart Scranton, Grant Goodeve from Eight Is Enough. We talked about Dick Van Patten, now we're talking about Grant Goodeve. And then a guy who looks like he wants a trophy wife playing Ted Caton, Peter Scolari. Episode 11, Forgotten Melodies. Carrie helps a man suffering from amnesia find out who he is. He discovers that the man has a wife in Arizona whom he brings to and is happy to see him. It seems he's been missing for four years. When Carrie returns to L.A., though, a woman asks him to find her husband, who's missing, and when she shows him his photograph, it's the same man he just brought to Arizona, and it seems he sustained amnesia four years ago. Meanwhile, Daisy helps a man, who was the business manager for a famous singer whom she believes has fallen on hard times. That's hard time! All right. This is going to be one of those episodes where everybody's a guest star, it seems like. George Matthews is the uh, amnesiac, I guess you could say. He's played by Mel Ferrer. And playing one of the uh, people, one of the people he was married to? Carol Lindley. And another person he was married to, Cassie Yates. Meanwhile, the manager in the B-plot is played by Bo Hopkins from The Dynasty. And the singer who's fallen on hard times, Leela Armstrong, played by Lawrence Henderson. Oh. Carol Brady herself. And then there was Don Marshall, but the most notable thing he's done was Land of the Giants, which is quite notable if you think about it. Episode 12, Last Wish. A dying man hopes to make amends for drowning his son years before. 
and Jennifer Avery, a woman with a past, believes she has no future with Tom Lindsay, a businessman who fell in love with her on a Hawaiian vacation. He drowned his son? Yeah. Shouldn't he be in jail? I'm pretty sure it was an accident. Oh, okay. But y'all, so many guest stars on this episode. We have, as Jennifer Avery, Susan Blakely. She was in uh, The Towering Inferno and Over the Top, Greg. She was in Over the Top. Oh, yeah. You know who was in Over the Top? Sylvester Stallone. That's why I mentioned it. Yeah, but you know who else was in Over the Top, guys? Who? Robert Losia. <laughs> yeah. Terry Funk was also in Over the Top. <laughs> oh, God. Not Terry Funk. Are we going to talk about Terry Funk again? No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but, oh, my God. It's Robert Losia. Drink your orange juice, kids. Yeah. Robert, Robert Loja! That's Robert Loja. R is in Robert Loja. O is in, oh my gosh, that's Robert Loja. Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Oh, hold on a second. Time out. I gotta do a little search real quick. Okay, while you do a search real quick, I'm gonna mention the other half of that A-plot. Tom Lindsay, played by Michael Gross. Oh, terrific. And let's remember... He was Ted Mosby's dad on How I Met Your Mother, in addition to being the dad on Muay Thai's. But hold on a second. This is CNN Breaking News. Guys, Over the Top is on Tubi. And meanwhile, in the B-plot, we have Norman Prentice, played by McDonald Carey, who you would remember as the voice of Days of Our Lives. He was the guy who said, like Sands Through the Hourglass, yada, yada, yada. And James Hutton from Knott's Landing was also in this episode. Along with Kay Lenz and Morgan Stevens? Really? What? Morgan Stevens from uh, Fame and Murder One and all that. Episode 13. Deadly Silence. A man hires Carrie to look for his daughter. When he finds her and tells her his father is looking for her, she doesn't believe it. But when Carrie takes her to see him, he pulls a gun, but Carrie helps her escape. And a woman asks Daisy to find the man she met a few months ago while on vacation, whom she connected with. And when they agree to meet at the airport, they leave, but he didn't show up. She wants Daisy to find him. And when she does, he gives them some lame reason as to why he didn't meet her. The A-plot involves a man by the name of Malcolm Beck. And playing Malcolm Beck is... Tom! Tom Bosley! Did he look? No. And in the B-plot, we have a lady by the name of Stacey Barnes who is played by Leah Ayers, a.k.a. Fake-Ass Marsha, from the Brady's dramedy back in the 90s. Oh, God. Yeah. Well, hold on. Two other things that I think we should mention about her. Uh-huh. She was on the TV version of 9 to 5. 
if you remember that. I do. And I think that's got to be a cover one day. We, we need to cover that. But also, just because everything goes back to this show, she was on a week of Match Game Hollywood Squares Hour. Because of course she was. Chico's in so much shock that there was a Match Game Hollywood Squares reference here. Oh my I gosh. Know. I know. Episode 14, Wayward Dreams. Dr. Eric Jordan walks by the son he fathered through artificial insemination, and Carrie hopes to save a young centerfold model from a life she may regret. Playing Eric Jordan, Jack Coleman, a.k.a. one of the sons of Blake Carrington on Dynasty, a.k.a. the man in the horned rimmed glasses on Heroes. Playing the B-plot model, Cindy Murdoch, Heidi Bohey, from Hotel. Also from Hotel, yes. Yeah, it's two references to Hotel. And again, Hotel premiered in 1983. Because Nathan Cook promoted it on Match Game Hollywood. Oh, another Match Game Hollywood. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I would have thought you were going to break out the... I thought you were going to break out the pyramid. No, I'm... It's all about Match Game Hollywood Squares Hour here. If anything... I would have broken out a reference to Hollywood Squares with. By the way, if you had a drinking game right now on how many mentions of batch game Hollywood Squares are, take a drink every time you mention it, you'd probably be dead by now. Probably. But don't die. Anyway, speaking of which, this would be the last episode to feature Richard Cantor as Brian Fletcher. Nobody knows what happened to him. It's never mentioned. He just was put on a bus and sent to another series. So, if you ask me, I think now is the perfect time to take a break and listen to some era-appropriate commercials. We'll be back with Larry Flash Jenkins and the rest of the run right after this. After these messages, we'll be right back. When it comes to afternoon fun, nobody plays the games like Channel 7. Let's play Jeopardy. At 4, it's the brand new Battle of the Brain Busters. What are a pencil and an eraser? Well, You'll be surprised to see just how much you know on New York's newest trivia test, Jeopardy. All right, that's terrific. I can do it in four notes. Then, at 4.30. Name it. It's the big money showdown that can make your afternoon unforgettable. You've done it! Play along with a $100,000 Name That Tune, starting Monday at 4.30 on Channel 7. Sunday, Hardcastle's playing Judge on TV. I'm not through here. You can do your commercial later. And becomes the latest craze. You're the Michael Jackson of justice. But he's scripted for murder. Hardcastle and McCormick. Then, Burt Reynolds. Woo! Dolly Parton. Ta-da! And Carl Durning are breaking all the rules. Come on over here and give me a little lip lock. It's the best little whorehouse in Texas. Friendly discretion advised. All starting at 8, 7 Central. Tomorrow. Now, Taco Pizza is at Pizza Hut. And ever since he's tried it, Harry's been like a different person. Ah, senora, tanto gusto. First I thought, it's the crust. He's crazy for the crust. Me he divertido muchísimo. And then I thought, mm. well, maybe it's the real taco toppings mm. like beef and cheddar cheese and tomatoes. Stupendo. But now, I don't even care. Because whatever it is, we'll be back tomorrow. <laughs> taco Pizza, now at Pizza Hut. Fantastico. 
In my opinion, this is a great new coffee. Bold, dark, Nescafe Bravo. Just because I like it doesn't make it right for you. As exactly my Nescafe has created four new custom blended coffees. For the first time, you can have coffee made to taste your way. Bold, dark, Bravo. Traditional classic. Smooth, refined silica or natural decaf. Each one custom blended, each one visibly different. I've got mine. Now you decide. Which one's made to taste your way? Nescafe. Wednesday. I saw somebody push Mark Jennings. I saw my mother. The verdict is in. We the jury find the defendant. On Dynasty. Then on Hotel, Victoria Cabot battles against drugs. You're hooked on that stuff. You're fired! All starting at 9, 8 Central and Mountain. Wednesday. Welcome back, or if you're just listening to us, where have you been? As I mentioned before the break, that was the last episode that featured Richard Cantor as Brian Fletcher, the girl-crazy Brian Fletcher. Now we get into the more mature, more streetwise Lyman Whitaker, former con artist turned good, played by Larry Flash Jenkins, who, uh, Greg mentions was the wheelman in Ferris Bueller. After this episode, he joins up in an official capacity. Although, he's never given a face credit, he's always billed as a guest star. So we go to From the Heart, which is episode 15. An advice columnist and the woman he was helping discover, they both have reason to hide their identities. And a couple, unable to cope with the loss of their daughter, faces the dissolution of their marriage. Okay, so, the advice columnist, Mark Stafford, played by Ted Shackelford, from The Knots Landing. And the woman he was helping, Kathy Cullen, played by Karen Kay, from previous entry, It's Your Move. And apparently was also in Blansky's Beauties, Thanks, Pop. And the couple who are struggling with the loss of their child, the Sandersons, Helen Sanderson is played by Lois Nettleton. Was she on a week of Match Game Hollywood Squares? I want to say she was. Or maybe I'm thinking of Twyla Littleton. No, she wasn't. Uh, I was thinking of Twyla Littleton then. What? (laughs) There's your buzzer. Wrong. (laughs) Okay. And... (laughs) Wait, how do you get Twyla Littleton and Lois Nettleton? Their names sound the same. One's an old bag and the other's Twyla Littleton. (laughs) One has the 36s and the other never had the 30. Hey, did you just make another Mask Game of Highland Squares (laughs) reference? (laughs) Okay. Anyhow, her husband, Tim. Her husband, Tim, is played by Robert Reed. Who was not on Match Came Out with Squares Hour, but however, he was on Stumpers. He was on the final episode of Stumpers, I believe, the final week. Yeah, yeah yep. he was. Yeah, he was. Mr. Brady was go. on Stumpers. There you go. We fit our quota of Stumpers references oh. for the week. All right. Are you going to work on 50 Grand Slam now? Don't challenge me. <laughs> no, 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 that 50 Grand Slam didn't have celebrities goof. I know. So how are we going to do that quota then? I don't know. Maybe somebody went on to become an actor. Maybe a former contestant went on to become an actor. I don't know. 
I don't know how Hollywood works. Episode 16, Aftershocks. An adopted woman searches for her biological mother, a councilwoman whose political aspirations come first. And Colonel Matthew Vale, a retired army hero, yearns to be reunited with the woman he left behind when he went to war. Oh my gosh, the names in this episode. Oh god. You know, the guy who plays Matthew Vale alone. You know? Oh, yes. And I guarantee he was in Americana because I pulled out an autographed card of his in Americana in 2011. Say the name. Leslie Motherfather Nielsen. So yes, there's another person that was in Americana that was on this series. And you know what? You, you say... Surely we can't be serious that Leslie Nielsen was in Tonvis Americana. But we are serious. And don't call him Shirley. Oh, but that's not the only name. Nope. Playing the role of Alice Taylor Hancock, Paula Kelly, from A, the first season of Night Court, and B, at least one week of Match Game Hollywood Squares Hour. Seiko, I love you. Thank you for doing the Lord's work. But also, she's just multi-talented. Let's just not pigeonhole her to Night Court. She did so many things. Oh yeah, she's a dancer, you know. And playing Philip Lawton in this episode, Shay Farrell. Shay Farrell from The Untouchables, The Practice, what else was he? I know he was on a lot of things back in the day. Um, hotel. He was in. He was on Hotel. It all comes back to Hotel on this episode, doesn't it? Funny enough, it does. Episode seventeen. Tricks. Carrie's reunion with his old flying buddies is marred by deception and bitterness, and a reunited family copes with the mother's secret. Hey, let's throw some more names out. All right. Playing Linda Hudson and Lynette Beaumont in this episode, Kathy Lee Crosby. Ooh. You know what I have to say about that? No, That's no, don't, no, Greg! No, 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 don't do it, Greg! Don't do it! That's incredible! Oh, he did it. <laughs> hey, hold on a second. You know who else was on That's Incredible Guys? Well, let me guess. Frank Tarkenton. Yeah, yes. that guy. But also... We're just squeezing out all the hits tonight. Oh my oh, gosh. Yeah. <laughs> but there's other names in this episode. There, there, are other, there are other names in this episode. Yes, hold on a second. Let me do this. Playing Thad Holcomb. Tony Roberts. And you know why I mentioned Tony Roberts? Because he was in the 1971 Walt Disney Masterpiece. Million Dollar Top. With Dean Jones and Sandy Duncan. It always goes back to Million Dollar Duck with you, doesn't it? Yes, it does. It's about a duck that gets radiation and it lays golden eggs. Gene Siskel, how dare you walk out of this movie? (laughs) You don't know know shit about (laughs) Orange. Okay. Oh, boy. So wait a second. Wait, wait, wait. I I have a a comment to say. You said it laid golden eggs like million-dollar eggs? Yes. 
Isn't that like what a dozen eggs cost nowadays? <laughs> Only because of the bird flu. Oh, is that they, the excuse? Okay. That's yes, yes. This, right. it, it's a it's a scientifically proven fact that chicken populations are declining because of bird flu. Okay, I, I thought it had to do with the fact that I only eat chicken nowadays. It seems the chicken I'm population eating, is going down. Chicken, I'm eating chicken right now, actually. The reason that the chicken population is going down is because that's all I eat. Damn that guy in Ohio. But hey, more people. Let's throw out more names. Playing Beth Reynolds in this episode, Phyllis Davis, who you might remember from Vegas. Yep. So she was a co-star of Bart Braverman's, Greg. I just know how much you love Bart Braverman around here. And we've talked about him in the past. But also playing Mike Dayton in this episode is Robert Fuller. Nothing for Robert Fuller? I'm trying to look to see what he was in. Emergency? Oh, there you go. He was maybe the best bluffer in Hollywood Square's history. And speaking of bluffing, he was also in the 1994 movie version of Maverick. So yeah, just loaded with guest stars. And Jared Martin, who plays Evan Sullivan in this episode, played a technician in the original movie version of Westworld. So yes, he dies at the end of that. Episode 18, Haunted Memories. A madass carry to find the woman he sees in passing that he believes to be his deceased wife. Only to find she has ulterior motives. While Daisy helps a man find the son he fathered years ago during a brief romance. We got stars. So many stars. Well, I only see like three or four names, but we got stars. Playing Gabe McGuire in this uh, episode. I'm guessing he's the father looking for the son. He'd be of that age, so I think that's a fair assumption. Robert Goulet. Not the first time we've talked about him, though. Because nope. we-, we talked about him in TV Funhouse. That is correct. Bob Goulet. <laughs> Robert Goulet here. And of course, when we talk about Robert Goulet, Greg, we got to mention the Naked Gun uh, two and a half. Oh, that's right. Yeah, because he was uh, Quentin Hasper. But also remember, don't swim in raw sewage. I love it. And playing the son he never knew he had, Adam Hill, Lance Kerwin, who unfortunately recently passed away himself, you probably remember him from James at 15. He was James at 15. And then in the B plot, we have Brad Evans played by David Grow. And I think this would be an appropriate time to do a correction. So let's get this uh, sounder up there, Greg. A couple of weeks ago, we had talked about celebrities who were contestants on Pyramid back in the day. And I inadvertently mentioned that David Groh was a contestant and then became a celebrity. I thought we were talking about David David Graff. Yeah, but I said David Groh. So I wanted to make that little correction. I meant David Graff. 
Because David Groh was not in the Police Academy movies. David Graff was. Yes. And also, David Groh, as we said a couple weeks ago, he was the husband on Rhoda. But he was never on Pyramid as far as we... Well, you know what? I better check that because I'll probably put my foot in my mouth <laughs> if I don't. Well, yeah, yeah I, I'm going to have to do a correction of a correction. By the way... He was a celebrity contestant on Pyramid. What the f***? I can't even <laughs> say that. By the way, the live-action Police Academy series, that's a future entry. In the cartoon. Let's not forget and, the cartoon. And the cartoon. And you know we're not going to go talking about the cartoon without talking about the figure based on Zed. <laughs> yeah. You know the figure. I know the figure. His pants fall down. It's yeah, I know. I know the figure. One guest star we forgot to mention in this episode, playing the character of Neil Palmer, is David Hedison, who we've mentioned plenty of times on this podcast. But most notably, he played Felix Leiter in *Live and Let Die* and *License to Kill*. And remember, Felix Leiter was bitten by a shark twice in the continuity of the Bond novels, not the movies. Episode nineteen. Mr. Wonderful. Hold on a second. Time out, guys. Time out. No, don't do a Paul Warndorf reference. No, no, no. no. You're getting too predictable in your old age, Greg. Damn it! (laughs) Damn! Did he really just say that? Anyway, a man who's involved... I don't turn 40 until next year. You can't (laughs) call me old yet. Calls me old all the time. Anyway. You're getting predictable, though. Come on. Mr. Wonderful. Oh, I wonder what Greg's going to say. Is he Paul Orndorff? <laughs> yeah, we know Greg. Wrestling. Wrestling. A man who's involved with a younger woman, feeling that he can't give her what she wants. Should probably watch that VHS tape from the last episode. As Carrie to locate her ex. And what he does, the guy is not exactly a good guy. He's a bad, he's a bad man. He's a very, very bad man. Meanwhile, a guy Daisy dated asks her to find his girlfriend. But after meeting her, he realizes he still has feelings for Daisy. So many names in this episode. All right, let's start with um, the man who is involved with a younger woman. Uh, playing Jim Chasen, Gordon Thompson from The Dynasty, and playing Gail Ames, D. Wallace Stone. Oh, yes. The mom from E.T. And the mom who suddenly becomes a single mom in uh, Nothing Is Easy slash... Together We Stand. Thank you. Together We Stand slash Nothing Is Easy. Which is coming later this year, depending on when something premieres on Disney Plus, as we mentioned. Yes. By the way, congratulations, Jonathan K. Kwan. That's right. You got nominated for an Oscar. For everything, everywhere, all at once. That's right. And Daisy's ex, Steve Bate, played by Bruce Fairbairn. From The Rookies, Farmington Steel, and... The Incredible Hulk. One episode. But then we have, as Amanda Tyler, Ellen Bree, 
from the Saints elsewhere. Uh, not just the Saint elsewhere. She also did two weeks of the, the match, match game match Hollywood, Hollywood Squares, Squares Hour. Hour. And yeah. that's like our sixth reference. And we're going to just keep on going with those references. Well, this baby. would be the year for it. Because, yeah, 84, 85, this would be the year for it. Well, no, the year after. It got, it's the year after because it got canceled in uh, July of 84, or that's the last episode. So it's yeah. after. It didn't coincide with this. Oh, no. Oh, no. No. Okay. No. But the, probably the biggest name of this episode, Judge Alec Tail, played by Ephraim Zimbalist Jr. Oh, that's right. The daddy of Stephanie Zimbalist. Yep. Also, let's not forget who was the voice of Alfred on Batman the Animated Series. Rest in peace, Kevin Conroy. Episode 20, Surrogates. A man resorts to desperate measures to prevent his widowed father from marrying a childhood sweetheart, and a girl plays matchmaker for her lonely mother. Ooh! First of all, we gotta talk about who played Dorothy Keating in this episode, played by Lauren Tweez, a.k.a. Julie McCoy, your cruise director. Oh, on another Aaron Spelling show. Yep. Oh, she's already on the payroll. Gotcha. And then we have in the A-plot playing Ben Harper. Greg, are you ready for this? Okay, who is it? Kevin McCarthy. Oh, yes. And we're not talking about that, Kevin. None than that. No. To screw that guy. We're talking about the Kevin McCarthy, of course, from such classics as the OG Invasion of the Body Snatchers, and of course, he was R.J. Fletcher in UHF. He wasn't just R.J. Fletcher in UHF. He was that bastard R.J. Fletcher in UHF. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because he took Stanley Spadowski's mop away. That was terrible. Poor Stanley lost his mop. Yep. Hold on a second. I got to check something. Is UHF on duty? Well, while you check that, I will tell you that his son, Gordon Harper, was played by Randy Powell from future entry Logan's Run the series. Oh, that's great. And by the way, UHF, as of the time of recording this, is on Tubi. And playing the role of R.J. Fletcher's childhood sweetheart, Kevin McCarthy's childhood sweetheart, Beverly Garland. We talked about her in the previous entry, Camp, Camp Wilder. That's right. Making a low-key status for Hall of Fame entry, possibly. Yeah. Making that candidacy case. Episode 21, Final Analysis. A man tries to find a past girlfriend who has a new identity to hide from her past which comes back to haunt her. Carrie and Daisy work together on the case, and as they grow closer to helping her client, they grow emotionally closer to each other. Ooh. And playing the past girlfriend, Lisa Hennessy, Belinda Montgomery, a.k.a. Doogie Hauser's mama. And the guy who's looking for her, Ken Grant, played by Michael Spand, also of The Hotel. Are we just going to add the to every title? The Hotel? 
the the match game Hollywood Squares hour. No, we can't add the to the match game Hollywood Squares hour. It's already there. It's already but there. You, but, but 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 you've already added like the to like four or five episodes. That's be- well. That's because those are the shows that are known for having the rotating guest stars. Well, so does the the match game Hollywood Squares <laughs> hour. If you think about it. Did Michael Spawn do the the match game Hollywood Squares hour? No, Michael Spawn did the the $25,000 pyramid. Thank you. All right, let's bring it back on track here. Okay, with... we're bringing it. There's one more name here. Yes, yeah, let's bring it back on track. Playing a policeman in this episode. Uh-huh. Doesn't have a, a, a name, just called the policeman. Paul Peterson. Don't tell me you don't know who Paul Peterson is. Well, first off, I think he was like the AFTRA or SAG union chair for like the longest time. But also he played Donna Reed's son, Jeff Stone, on the Donna Reed show. Mm-hmm. Told you. He is a known entity. But you know who else is in this episode? Playing Dr. Arthur Barwell is John Carlin, who would be a detective on all 125 episodes of Cagney and Lacey. So, yes. Names all abound on this one. Episode 22, the penultimate episode, Broken Promises. A young man suspects that his missing girlfriend has not been sent to a boarding school despite what her parents say. And a journalist searches for a reclusive racehorse owner who influenced her life. First of all, playing Jake Turner, the guy looking for the girl who may or may not be at a boarding school. Ken Oland and the girl he's looking for, Emily Bennett, is played by Diane Franklin, who, at the age of 10, started with modeling theater, commercials, and soap opera work, winning the lead role of dream girl Karen in cult classic The Last American Virgin. Greg, you and I would probably know her as Princess Joanna in Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. That's right. She was Princess Joanna Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. One of the two babes who Bill and Ted meet in medieval times. And almost gets executed for it. Oh, yeah, because remember, they take them much... to the Iron Maiden. That's right. Uh, Iron Maiden? Iron Excellent! Maiden. <laughs> They have no idea it's not that underrated. No idea whatsoever. Also in this episode playing Robin Sloan is Joan Prather, another person who was on Eight is Enough. It's like she was in like one season-long arc and then she joins the family. Because she was not only in that in 18 episodes of Eight is Enough, when she married into the family, she was in Eight is Enough a family reunion, and also an eight is enough wedding. You're going to love how I'm going to tie this in. It's not a match game Hollywood Squares. No. Joan Prather, she was on a week of Celebrity Few with Jay Johnson. And the reason I mentioned she was on Celebrity Few, she was on the episode where the guy who got his knee busted by Gregory Itson, he returned. I remember that episode. You commented on the YouTube video, you Dorcas. I know. That was so, yeah. my comment. 
So she has a connection to Gregory Itzen, kind of, sort of, because the guy whose knee was taken out by Gregory Itzen returned on the Monday episode with Joan Prather and Jay Johnson and won $25,000. It all goes back to few, and it all goes back to that bastard Gregory Itzen. Rest in peace, you bastard. And by the way, this is not a video podcast, but Greg is holding up his his Blu-ray, I believe it's from Shout Factory, of Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Not always oh, that Bill excellent and adventure. Most excellent adventure. Most excellent collection. Ah. It has both Excellent Adventure and Bogus Journey in here. Nice. But it doesn't have face the music. Well, this came out before Face the Music, so... Oh, I just wanted to make a mention of Face the Music so I could just say Face the Music. Although, Warner Brothers has recently put out a collection of all three movies in one pack, so I gotta get that. All right. And the final episode, Connections. A man seeks the foster family who took him in when his parents died. But because he left under less than amicable circumstances, they don't welcome him back. He then decides to take his brother, whom he left with him, who's still with them. But his foster father tells a secret that might make that unlikely. And a man who is talking to an old woman seeks her out, but she turns out to be a young woman. So, let's go through all of this again. The kids in this situation... Well, one of the kids in this situation, Joey, played by Jeremy Licht, who would be a year or so removed from the Hogan family, or Valerie, or Valerie's family. Let's call it Valerie. Whatever it's called this week. Whatever it's called this week, yes. But also, let's not forget, he was in Twilight Zone, the movie, in the segment, It's a Good Life. And you know who was also in that segment, guys? Who was also in that segment, guys? Kevin McCarthy. Uh, and a young Nancy Cartwright's in that segment, too. And playing his brother, Dan Matthews, Frederick Len, who still active. I believe the last thing he did was an episode of FBI International. And he was in The Dark Knight Rises. And playing their parents... Peter Mark Richmond as Father Frank. He was in Friday the 13th Part 8, Jason Takes Manhattan. And playing the mother, Ruth Cunningham, Anne Francis, Honey West herself. Am I the only one who remembers Honey West? No. There's just a binge uh, of it on decades within like the last two or three weeks. I remember Honey West. Oh, yeah. Okay, I remember Honey West. Greg doesn't, but that's fine. <laughs> I don't know what Honey West is. Imagine get Christy Love, but with a white chick. Okay. You definitely know this name, Greg. Playing Emma Tate, Wendy Shaw. Yes. The voice of Francine on American Dead. A- and one of the waitresses in It's a Living. Yeah, gotta give her credit for both of them. Yes, she's Francine Smith, but... Gotta give her credit. She was on It's a Living. And we actually also should add just the name Making a Living. 
We forget about it being called Making a Living before yeah. It's a Living. The second season was called Making a Living. But, of course, when it went to syndication, we all know who became a big star being on It's a Living. Paul Crystal Kreppel. Bernard. And oh, you know what that... Oh, I thought you were saying Paul Kreppel. Okay. Oh, uh, no. You can't make a joke out of Paul Kreppel. It because... was Crystal Bernard. Yeah. And also, she was on Wings. And as we discovered 49 episodes ago, guys, I said for the first time, I love Wings. Yes, you but did. Also, but, but also, we... because it's Crystal Bernard, you know why she was working at top of the uh, top of the tower or whatever that name was? She needs to make the rent. Yeah. <laughs> We're just pulling all of them out this week. So that's the show. And I did research before this. So we're going to start the whole what happens to this show thing uh, with an interesting little factoid. This show aired in its regular time slot Saturday nights at 10 o'clock. It was on opposite two other shows that premiered that season. On CBS, you had Cover Up, and on NBC, you had Hot Pursuit. And for anybody asking, yes, they're both on the list. Finder of Lost Loves aired after The Love Boat, which I want to say it was in its ninth or tenth season, was still a big draw on Saturday nights. Oh, it wasn't not. I don't think it was ninth or tenth season, because uh, it started, I believe, seventy seven. So that would make this eighth season, I believe. Yeah, yeah eight. but, but it's eighth season, but it was still very much a draw on Saturday it, night. It, it, it didn't become event programming yet, because remember, like the last season or so, they would just do like three or four specials a year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so th- they still did this on a weekly basis. Was also, if I remember correctly, 84 85, that was Ted McGinley's first year. Yeah, because remember, he would have come straight from Happy Days. Yeah, he was ace your photographer. And Finder of Lost Loves was better than Hot Pursuit and Cover Up. Of course, uh, we are going to cover Cover Up when we get to the eventual episode of What Happens When One of the Stars Died. Because you know who one of the stars of Cover Up is, right? Yeah, yeah, John Eric Hexum, yeah. Uh-huh. But yeah, Hot Pursuit went cold quickly. They replaced that with something else. But both Finder of Lost Loves and Cover Up lasted the entire season. And, but only Finder of Lost Loves would be, you know, kind of sort of steady, leveled off in the lead that one hour. ABC owned Saturday nights. But you know what they replaced Hot Pursuit with a little cop show named Hunter. Oh, yes. Fred Dreyer and Stephanie Kramer. Yeah. But they still didn't beat Finder of Lost Loves. I mean, they still led the time slot. But when the schedules came out for 85-86, the Finder of Lost Loves was lost itself. Love Boat moving into its Saturday at 10 o'clock slot. I guess in retrospect, it was more or less a bubble show, The Finder of Lost Loves. And kind of sort of, with its every plot, it kind of sort of got bland quickly. 
but that didn't stop people from not tuning in. I don't really understand why the Finder of Lost Loves got canceled, but I kind of get the binds that ABC was in. I mean, they needed to program for Saturday nights, and also NBC in 1985, they would come to own Saturday nights thanks to some ladies from Washington and some ladies from Miami. You know the ones. As for this show, it's not streaming anywhere. It never got an official home release, but you can watch all 23 episodes unofficially on YouTube as of this recording. So you can watch it and then get back to me as to why you think it was canceled, because I don't get it! Thoughts, gentlemen? I don't know. It seemed like ABC was like, hey, the Love Boat's popular. Let's have another Love Boat on our schedule. And no, didn't work out. I'm going to build on top of what Greg just said because he sort of stole my thunder. When you take a look at the episodes that we just went through, you basically have sort of the same formula as Fantasy Island. You have plot A, and then the second half of the show, you have plot B. And so, sort of they kind of mix, sort of also like Love Boat, where you know, you've got an A plot and a B plot, and they sort of get intertwined throughout the course of the episode. So maybe that's like the Aaron Spelling way of doing things, having like two distinct separate plots or trying to interweave them in some capacity. But just hearing the plots of these episodes made me think of exactly that. Oh, it sounds just like an episode of Fantasy Island. Here comes Audra Lindley with uh, her husband, uh, we'll just say Norman Fell, for the first thing. And then the second act, oh, well, look, here's Charlotte Ray, and oh, her husband, Don Knotts. W- whatever, I'm just making names up, but you get the point. Two distinctly separate plots that sometimes interweave in some capacity. Yeah, now that you put it that way. That didn't stop, you know, Fantasy Island or the Love Boat or a hotel from lasting as long as they did. Well, everybody loves the Love Boat, and Fantasy Island had Ricardo Montalban and Hervé Villachez. Well, maybe Tony Franciosa just isn't that big of a name. I mean, his biggest show, just period, would have been Name of the Game, and that was, gosh, over 15 years ago at this point. That was like 68 to 71 or so. His other big show would be another one-season wonder, the TV version of Matt Helm, which was uh, sort of a trying-to-be-get-smart spy spoof, but failing miserably. There you go. That's the finder of Lost Loves. It found ratings, but ultimately became Lost itself and became nothing on TV. Well, we hope you enjoyed this year's Valentine's Day Spectacular with our last two episodes. If you want to relive them, you can go to our website. It was a thing on TV.com. There you can relive all the other episodes we have lined up. All of the episodes, the mini-sodes, live watches, and of course links to our socials at It Was a Thing on TV, except for Facebook, because Mark Zuckerberg has lost his love. So he had to give us It Was a Thing on TV podcast. 
But I guarantee you, he did meet his lost love in the metaverse. For all we know, he could probably be the finder of lost loves in the metaverse. Who knows? So yeah, if you are on the YouTube, don't forget to like, subscribe, and smash the notification bell. And don't forget that we are available wherever fine podcasts can be streamed. Like and subscribe, rate and review, five stars only, because positive vibes only. Anyway, our next episode is a milestone here, episode 350. We've been waiting a long time for this. Uh, Guys, we've covered a whole lot of television. This next episode, we're going to be covering books. Because we had an Australian novel that became an Australian TV show that ended up becoming an American TV show. And all we can say is Zachary Quinto's Pimp Hand is strong. That will make sense when you listen to the next episode of It Was a Thing on TV. For Mike, for Greg, I'm Chico. Thank you ever so much for listening. Please be kind to each other and we will see you for the next one. Roar us out, Greg. Row! You've lost someone. Someone very close to you. Disappeared. Without a trace. (laughs) I know what that's like. It happened to me once. I'm an investigator of sorts. But I take only one kind of case. Losses of the heart. Tony Franciosa. He's with you as the finder of lost loves. This fall. We're with you on ABC with you.